Hello and welcome to Wangaratta Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Aaron. I'm so thrilled that you've decided to join with us today for this message. This message was recorded live at one of our Sunday morning services, which are on every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here in Wangaratta. If you're here uh, in town on a Sunday, then why not come along and join with us in fellowship with other believers as we open the word together and hear from the scriptures. But if you are connecting with us online, don't let this replace uh, coming to a, a local church. Uh, they are vitally important for the growth of all believers. And so get along to your local church. But if not, then, then at least help. let this be a supplement to help you in your walk with the Lord. And so we do believe that the, the scriptures are the inerrant word of God and they're here to train us and equip us. And so we will be speaking and opening up the scriptures together. So, so get your Bibles out and follow along. And I trust that this message that you are watching today will really encourage you and inspire you and help you understand the hope that we do have in Jesus Christ. May it be a blessing to you. Loving and gracious God, we praise you and thank you for the opportunity to celebrate your son's birth. We come to worship you today and to praise you and we pray that you'd speak to us through your word today. Give us open hearts, listening ears and minds ready to receive what you have for us today. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. A minister watched as the shopkeeper was taking down all the Christmas decorations. He complained that he had to put them away for 12 months. And the minister remarked, well, that's all right for you, but I have to keep Christmas alive for the next 12 months. And the only way we can do that is to keep our focus on Jesus. As we look at his story today, Three elements stand out clearly. Purification, praise and prophecy. And I want you to remember those. The first one is purification. Let's hear it. You sure? Let's hear it again. That's better. There were three ceremonies connected to the birth of a male in the Jewish tradition. Circumcision redemption of the firstborn, and purification. Every Jewish boy was circumcised on the eighth day after his birth, and on that day he received his name. Jesus received the name given by the angel before he was even conceived. According to the Jewish law, Every firstborn male had to be dedicated to God. For an offering, parents could, as it were, redeem and buy back their son from God. This ceremony was called the redemption of the firstborn. It couldn't take place sooner than 31 days after the birth of the child and it couldn't be delayed long after that. When a woman had born a male child, she was considered unclean for 40 days. So 
She could go about her household and her daily business, but she could not enter the temple or share in any religious ceremony. So when the time came for her purification, that is, at the end of uh, Mary's time of separation of 40 days, Mary and Joseph went to the temple, one, to present Jesus to the Lord for the redemption of the firstborn, and two, to bring an offering of a lamp or a burnt lamb or a burnt offering or a dove or a pigeon for a sin offering. And the priest would sacrifice these animals and declare the woman clean. Aren't you glad we no longer live in those days with all that rigmarole? In this modern era of gender equality, and even before this modern era, Jesus purifies everyone, every single person, because he has become the sacrifice for us. He's fulfilled the law. As John in his first letter reminds us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We are purified because Jesus died for us on the cross. We're made holy, set apart exclusively for God's use. For Mary and Joseph, a lamb was too expensive. So they offered a second dove or a pigeon instead. And this was called the offering of the poor. So we recognise that it was into an ordinary home that Jesus was born. A home where there were no luxuries. A home where the cost of everything had to be considered carefully. A home where the members of the family knew all about the difficulties of making a living and they knew all about the insecurities of life. When life is worrying for us, we can and must remember that Jesus knew what it was like to try and make the ends meet. In the midst of problems and difficulties, Jesus enables us to still praise God. Even before he was born, Jesus caused people to praise him, to break out in praise. So what was the first element? And the second element is praise. Let's hear it. When Mary visited a cousin, Elizabeth, the child in Elizabeth's womb jumped for joy. And in a loud voice, in a loud voice, Elizabeth broke out into words of praise. Then Mary decided she'd also sing a great song of praise known as the Magnificat. Wherever Jesus is, he causes people, causes people to break out in praise. After the shepherds had been to see the Christ child and they'd been in his presence, they returned to their fields glorifying and 
and praising God for all the things they'd seen and heard. In today's reading, when Jesus' parents brought Jesus into the temple, Simeon takes this child in his arms and he praises and he thanks God. Now, Lord, you've kept your promise and you can let your servant depart in peace. With my own eyes, I have seen your salvation. And Eugene Peterson, in the message, writes, at the very time Simeon was praying, Anna showed up, this prophet who was 84 years old. Anna showed up and she broke into an anthem of praise to God and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the redemption of Israel. God entered our existence so that we could have a vital faith relationship with him, not through a tiny baby in a manger. That was only the beginning. But through the Christ who lived and died to reconcile us to God, he enables us to live in a right relationship with God, a relationship where God loves and cares for each one of us personally. That's certainly a reason for praise, for praise and joy, and especially at this time in history. We live in the midst and uncertainty of COVID-19. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. Praise God. And yet many Christians go around with glum faces. John Powell, in one of his books, writes, please notify your face. And you know it takes less muscles to frown, uh, less muscles to smile than it does to frown. You watch when you smile at someone. Their faces light up and they're transformed. It lifts their spirits, even if only just for a moment. Listen to Simeon's words again in verses 30 and 32. With my own eyes I've seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light to reveal your will to the Gentiles and bring glory to your people Israel. In Jesus, we are given light to reveal God's will to us and give it, God gives glory to his people. And his people, that's you and me. You and me. Listen to the way the Apostle Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 3.18. All of us then reflect the glory of the Lord with uncovered faces. And that same glory coming from the Lord, who is the Spirit, transforms us into his likeness, into an ever greater degree of glory. Do you realise that? Each day we're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus in an ever greater degree of glory. So let's praise God.
Purification, let's hear it. What was the second one? Praise. And the last one is prophecy. Prophecy. Yeah, let's hear it. Simeon has been given a glimpse into Israel's present and future. He realises that God has a rescue operation underway. In Jesus, he sees the special life that God has been preparing in the midst of the world and its peoples. And John describes it in his gospel when he says, the true light gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. As someone said, he pitched his tent in our backyard and came to live among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So when Simeon saw this child, he praised God and he thanked God and he blessed the parents and said to Mary, his mother, this child is chosen by God for the destruction and the salvation of many in Israel. He will be a sign from God, which many people will speak against, and so will reveal their hidden thoughts. And sorrow, like a sharp sword, will break your heart. I wonder how Mary felt. Sorrow, like a sharp sword, will break your heart. No doubt, Mary had a deep foreboding which filled her mind and soul. Jesus was not going to be the kind of Messiah that they were expecting. His birth signified that he was not what the people were expecting. He was not born in a palace. He was born in a stable. Jeffrey Book, in, Jeffrey Bull, in his book, When Iron Gates Yield, Tells of spending Christmas Eve in a Tibetan inn. He'd been captured by the communists and was on his way to a communist prison. He went into the stable to feed the horses and mules. The fetid smell of animals was nauseating. And I thought, to think Christ came all the way from heaven to some wretched stable, and what is more, to think he came for me. How men beautify the cross and the crib as if to hide the fact that the birth, we res we're resigning to the stench of beasts and at death we exposed him to the shame of rogues. God forgive us. The stable was not beautiful. We've got a beautiful little scene here and unfortunately most of the scenes on our Christmas cards tend to make it beautiful. It wasn't. It was smelly, drafty, dirty and it was a stable because Mary couldn't find anywhere else to have the birth of Jesus. God forgive us. Simeon's prophecy signified that Jesus would cause the making or the breaking of many people in Israel. 
In other words, he turned their values upside down. He will reveal what the kingdom of God is all about. Many people will turn against him and they'll show what they're really made of. And his mother will have her heart broken. Prophecy is being written in our hearts and in our lives today as we live out our faith for Jesus. Prophecy is not only foretelling the future, but it's telling forth God's message in our present situation to bring hope to those in distress. The prophets of old actually lived out their message. Jeremiah wore a loincloth, filthy, dirty loincloth, to get his message across. Hosea married a wife who was unfaithful and became a prostitute. Daniel ended up in the lion's den and he got his message across in a powerful and dramatic way. Our actions and attitudes speak speak volumes more than our words. And someone once said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Clear, open eyes radiate the joy of a heart fixed on Jesus, the light of the world. When the writer of the Hebrews instructs his readers, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end, he's challenging his readers to live like Jesus lived, to live with sensitivity to the needs of those around them, to live like Jesus with compassion for their pain and sorrow to live with courage and to stand with those on the margins of society and with those who crave a word of affirmation and encouragement. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men. And then they were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. These men had been with Jesus, bringing courage, praise, peace and love. Jesus makes all the difference. He purifies us from every wrong. He causes us to live lives of praise. He calls us to be living prophets of his message of peace, faith, love and hope.